Why does Jesus transfigure himself in front of Peter, James, and John? Well, in a way, it's a, uh, it's a prophecy. It's a prophecy of who Jesus really is and who he is going to be for Peter, James, and John for eternity in the kingdom of heaven. And why does Jesus reveal who he is to Peter, James, and John when he does? And the answer is because Jesus is about to go into his passion where he's going to suffer torture and be crucified and die. And he wants them to experience him in his glory so that they will be strengthened in their faith at this moment of great temptation to lose their faith. So when they're experiencing Jesus dying on the cross, they're naturally going to have their faith greatly shaken. So if they get to see Jesus transfigured before them in glory before this happens, and then they know, well, the real Jesus is this transfigured guy. And that somehow this transfigured Jesus beats the one that's on the cross. Prophecy. St. Bernard of Clairvaux says that prophecy given by God is not actually to know the future. We like to think, well, well, what's going to happen in the future? Well, isn't that the point of prophecy? The reality is that prophecy is very hard to discern. It's murky. It's hard to say, well, this was said, but does it mean this or does it mean that? It's hard to tell. Rather, St. Bernard of Clairvaux says, God gives us prophecy or gives prophecy to some so that when the event does happen, we will be strengthened in our faith. So then we can say, well, wait a minute, this was prophesied and then it happened. So God must be for real. There must be a plan that God saw this in advance and that this person was his prophet, etc. And see how I can have faith in all of the above. That's the point of prophecy. So Jesus prophesies about his own death and resurrection. In the gospel account, it says that they, the three, Peter, James, and John, went away, quote, questioning what rising from the dead meant. He keeps talking about this rising from the dead. What's he talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. Ah. And then he rises from the dead, and they're like, oh, now I know what he's talking about. He died, and then he rose from the dead. Remember when he told us that? Oh, yeah. And so their faith is strengthened in Jesus. That, oh, yes, this guy is a truth teller, that I can trust in him. A third of the Bible is prophecy. The whole, the, much of the Old Testament is pointing to the coming of the Messiah. There's lots of confusion. The Isaiah coming and then the Daniel coming on the clouds of heaven. And they don't understand it's two comings. His first coming, born of a virgin, and the second coming at the end of the world to judge the living and the dead. If you go to Stations of the Cross on Friday evening, as we go through the stations and we hear how Jesus is being arrested and tortured and tried and all the rest, we see that that's actually prophesied in the Old Testament. Line after line after line. It's amazing. And then our faith is strengthened. We go, oh man, this was all seen in, uh, long before it happened. This is amazingly true. All right. On to Abraham. And then I'll get back to prophecy at the end. Abraham gives what's greatest in his life to God. What's greatest in Abraham's life is his son Isaac. And he's great to Abraham, not just because he's his son and he loves his son like everyone loves their own children. But Isaac is the promise that God had given to him. God had said, Abraham, if you uproot your family and all of your herds and all of that and you leave this land of Ur and you travel through the desert, the Fertile Crescent, and you get to this promised land that I'm giving you, I'll give you the nations as your inheritance and descendants as numerous as the stars 
in the sky if you'll have faith in me and do what I ask of you. And so Abraham's 80 years old when Isaac is born. This is the one, my only shot at having eternal life. Abraham doesn't know anything about heaven. God hasn't revealed it. So for Abraham and the people of the Old Testament, immortality is through children. That's how you live forever. And he's saying, the only shot I've got to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and to be Lord of the nations is through my son Isaac, and now, God, you want me to kill him for you? What is this? I can't make sense of this, and he can't. It's truly an act of faith. Not an act of knowledge, but of faith. Abraham, will you have faith in me if you go through with this? Now, to be sure, what God is asking of Abraham is a supernatural, beyond our human nature sacrifice. And God doesn't ask things of us that are beyond our nature. Because it's beyond our nature to kill our children. So God wouldn't ask that of us. But Abraham is a special person. A uniquely special person. And he's prefiguring someone. He's prefiguring God the Father who's going to sacrifice his son for a greater good. And his son, Jesus, will redeem the human race through Calvary. But the sacrifice has got to be made. And there has to be this great faith to accompany it. So God asked Abraham to give me what you prize most. Abraham would be inclined to say, well, why don't you take my life instead? I mean, I'm 80 years old. I've lived in the desert my whole life. I mean, just take me. This whole thing's been a disaster anyway, but don't take my son. What the greatest possession that Abraham has is a son, and God asks him for it. God asks us the same. He asks us to give us our most prized possession, and we struggle. Instead, what we give God is, well, garbage. God, you could have my sins, you can have my vices, you can have my regrets, my bad habits, my addictions, my mental illness, my failures, my weaknesses. You can have all that. I willingly give it to you. And God says, thank you. I mean, it's not exactly what any of us would want, but at least for God, it's a relationship going on here. But God obviously wants more than that. In the end... He's coming for each one of us. Give me your most prized possession. What is that? Family, income, home, career, reputation, health. God would say, do you have enough faith to give me that? And we'd say, well, well not, uh, uh, no, not really. Not really. And then God would say, will you try? Because if you can give me your possession I promise you something amazing it might not be the redemption of the whole human race but it will be the stars and the nations but you've got to give me your most prized possession and therein lay the great paradox if Abraham doesn't give God Isaac then he doesn't get the nations and the stars But if he does, which seems like the way not to get the nations and the stars, but if he has faith in God, if he trusts God, then he does. And Abraham can't see it, and we can't see it either, what it is that we will get for giving God 
our most prized possession. Prophecy. Now we're back to prophecy. I have a prophecy for you, and it's one that you already know. You're going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. That's the prophecy. And God is going to get you anyway. He's going to get everything we own and possess anyway. So thinking that we'll hold on to him and we can't give that away, that's just too much to ask, we're going to die and it's all going to be gone anyway. Knowing that, can we give it away? Knowing that, can we say, all right, it's yours. My life, my family, my career, my reputation, my health, it's yours. Because one day I'm going to die and will be forgotten from the face of the earth. You can have it now. And if we give it to God, if we give these things, our most prized possessions to God, then he will bless us. He will bless us in ways we can't see or understand, but he will bless us.